What makes the Terminator so scary? Apart from the Elon Musk AI foreshadowing and the thought that robots will soon take over, it's the ability to continuously walk forward, ignore damage, and proceed towards the target with one purpose in mind, to terminate. We're not talking comebacks or Hail Mary KOs today, no, we're talking about those fighters who took more shots than Steven Stifler, looked completely unfazed, locked eyes with their opponent and let them know, I am the Shermanator. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and these are 10 Terminator-like performances in MMA. Number 10, Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo. If you're ever looking for a guy who can take a punch, look no further than Max Holloway. He made it to the top of our stats list on who has the best chins in MMA, and it wasn't even close. At UFC 212, though, he finally got his chance at undisputed gold and against one of the best KO artists in the division. Jose Aldo had been systematically eliminating the world's best featherweights for the last 10 years, lamping people with knees, heavy hands, and combinations. There hadn't been many who could survive his striking once he started connecting. It was a great matchup. Jose promised before the fight he'd be a much more aggressive version of himself, whereas Max just thought it was going to be a bit of fun. During the fight, Holloway refused to take a step backwards. Jose hit him with big shots, lethal combinations, some of the cleanest he's landed in the UFC, but the Hawaiian legend just smiled like he'd been touched by an ocean breeze. By the end of the second round, it was clear nothing Jose was throwing at Max could hurt him, and Holloway finished him off at the start of the third. Not much scarier than hitting someone with your best shot, and they just asked for more. Come on! Number 9. Habib Namagamadoff versus Justin Gaethje it's pretty much no secret, if you've been following the career of the Dagestanian bulldozer, he drove all over his UFC competition, making it look, for the most part, pretty easy. But at UFC 254, the Eagle was in for a new challenge, and he took on an absolute hammer of the lightweight division in Justin Gaethje. A man who'd made a career, and a career resurgence, out of knocking people out and slamming you with leg kicks until your body parts just started shutting down. He'd also been looking absolutely clinical in his last few performances, and was technically the interim champ. Safe to say a lot of fans were interested in how this one would play out, if Habib could survive on the feet, if he could get Justin down. The game plan from Habib, though, was actually pretty simple. Be a forward-moving, unstoppable force. If I had to guess, I'd say you're a program from the machine world. He got blasted with the leg kicks and Justin timed his right hand on Habib's chin over and over again. But the eagle never stopped soaring forward, Justin's power seemed to have no effect, and everything bounced off Habib like he'd eaten all the super mushrooms. He barely had to use his wrestling in this one, and his pressure just dissolved Justin like a young Slim Shady choking on stage. Number 8. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega Human Transformers will never exist, but I'm betting if they did, Alex would morph into the biggest, baddest tank you've ever seen. He's built a career out of relentlessly walking forward, out-toughing his opponents while skillfully sniping them apart. The man can do it all, and it's no surprise he's currently at the top of the UFC pound-for-pound list. At UFC 266, he was defending his title against Brian Ortega, who, if you don't know, has one of the deadliest submission games in the entire UFC. He'd also only lost once in his 10-year-long career and made a habit of finding submissions even when he was down in fights. Throughout the first two rounds, Alex was able to have his way with Brian. Yes, he had to walk through some punishment, but it's really what happened in the third round that made everyone stop and believe they were witnessing the T-1000 in action. About halfway through the round, Ortega dropped the champ and landed in a full mount guillotine, the kind that has been passed down to him through three generations of Gracies. It was about as tight as you could get it, and it seemed certain Volk would tap. But proving Terminators don't need oxygen, he slipped out and immediately went back on the offense, hammering Brian with ground and pound. But 60 seconds later, like that conspiracy theory that just won't die, Brian slapped on his T-City triangle choke, and surely this would be the end. But once again, Volk proved he wasn't human, survived, and then relentlessly continued to attack Ortega for the rest of the fight as if he hadn't just nearly gone unconscious. 
twice. Number seven, Fedor Emelianenko versus Kevin Randleman. How do you stop a Terminator anyway? Crush it, melt it, blow its mind? Bop it! Well, Kevin Randleman had to ask himself that question at Pride Critical Countdown when he was given Japan's closest answer to the Terminator, the heavyweight champion Fedor Emelianenko. Fedor had been executing people on the feet with all the emotion of your Alexa gone rogue, but Kevin was a Division One wrestling monster and he did exactly what he needed to do immediately. He took him down. When that wasn't enough, he took his back and probably delivered to this day the most devastating suplex in the history of MMA. He dropped Fedor on every bit of his neck, which honestly probably would have destroyed a Terminator, but not Fedor, who looked completely unfazed after being ragdolled through the Saitama Super Arena. Without batting an eye, he took top position, and less than a minute later was stretching out a Kimura on Kevin, who just had to tap. Not only was it insane that he survived the slam, but the fact that it seemed no more troublesome than putting on his shorts that morning. Yeah, Fedor definitely wasn't 100% human, was he? Number 6, Diego Sanchez versus Nick Diaz. When you think of unstoppable forces of nature in MMA, I'm sure that most of you that have seen him fight would immediately think of Diego Sanchez. The man has welcomed more wars than Xerxes, but he's not always looked like a Terminator in doing so. He's been a little reckless, and when he has won those battles, it's usually come at a cost. But I want to take you back to a young, undefeated Diego in 2005 and his fight with the legendary Nick Diaz. The older Diaz brother had just started making a name for himself. He had slick boxing, but his jiu-jitsu was on another level, and he'd been able to best almost every opponent he'd face when it hit the mat. Diego would be absolutely relentless in his assault this fight though, earning every bit of the nickname The Nightmare. The season one tough winner immediately took the fight to the ground where Nick just could not keep him off him. Diaz swept him, he threw up submission attempts, he did everything you should do to stop a guy like Diego from wanting to stay on top of you on the ground but was essentially stuck in his own Sanchez Groundhog Day. The threat of Diaz's ground game had been neutralized and Diego's takedowns were just relentless. I mean, at the start of the third round, in the first 45 seconds, Diego shot five takedowns that all got denied by Nick before shot number six eventually got him to the ground. It was hopeless. Diego might as well have been Agent Smith that night. That is the sound of inevitability. Number five, Gregory Rodriguez versus Chidi and Jaquani. From one ruthless killing machine to another, they honestly don't call Gregory Rodriguez Robocop for nothing. He's been more than happy to take out any rising UFC contenders at middleweight, and a bunch of them have gone to sleep at the ends of his fists. Thank you for your cooperation. In fact, after this cyborg-like performance at UFC 60, this entry would probably be ranked higher, but both these guys are still on the come-up. Anyway, Gregory was set to take on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, another middleweight prospect with two UFC KOs and more fire in his punches than the De Bomb on Hot Ones. Probably. I'm not trying that shit. Just 40 seconds in, Greg level changed, and he was met with a knee from Chitty that split him open like a goat's vagina. Uh, the, uh, the fuck did you just say? Yeah, what the fuck, Joe Rogan? Either way, surely this was the beginning of the end, but Rodriguez seemed about as phased as Robocop would be if you emptied a clip into him and continued to walk down Chidi throwing leather. DC couldn't believe he was standing. Rodriguez clearly wasn't going to stop. And in the second round, Greg said he felt Chidi slowing down. And at least according to Bloody Elbow, he said to himself, I am the Robocop and I am here. So now I'm going to kill you. He took his victim down and finished the fight. How bad was the cut, really? Well, I'll let Dana answer that one. Um, is that one of the nastiest cuts you, you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Number four, Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald 2. There haven't been many career resurgences more impressive than Robbie Lawler's. He went from top young prospect Robbie Lawler. Iowa. To middling journeyman, right back to title challenger, and then unbelievably UFC champion 13 years in the making. 
But his first title defense would be a rematch against Rory McDonald, the long-heralded second coming of GSP, the future of the welterweight division. He ragged old people with his wrestling and dissected high-level strikers with his precision. What unfolded was a 2015 fight of the year, in part because goddamn War Lawler would not stop walking forward. He slowly stalked Rory for the first two rounds, barely taking a backward step, all the while chip-chip-chipping away with his left hand. Much like your classic horror villain, he was in no rush to get the job done and looked pretty much invincible. Rory even cracked him with a head kick in the third and almost everyone thought the champ was hurt, apart from Robbie, who immediately began firing back and ended the round grinning, calling for more. Rory put it back on him in the fourth, but despite getting wailed on, Robbie literally told the ref to leave him alone and carried on stalking the Canadian. At this point, I'm sure Rory could have hit him with his car and Lawler would still be standing. Robbie looked like an actual zombie, forgot the meaning of pain and managed to finish a battered Rory in the fifth round. Number three, Marlon Chito Vera versus Rob Fun. This fight was a splendid clash of UFC bantamweights with contendership on the line and aside from Rob's weight miss, it was shaping up to be a great stylistic convergence. Cheeto had just front kicked Frankie and was really starting to put his striking together and Font was looking to bounce back after taking a beating from Jose Aldo. Across the course of five rounds, Rob Font would nearly set a UFC bantamweight striking record with his output, throwing over 516 significant strikes, but guess what? None of that apparently phased Cheeto. He kept his hands high, his chin down and just kept marching towards the New Englander. Yes, he was being outlanded and tagged pretty much non-stop, but none of it stopped his pressure and seemingly every time Marlon landed hard, he sat Rob down and almost finished him. Honestly, it's not every day you see someone almost double the output of their opponent and it does nothing to stop their forward pressure and they still go on to lose the fight. But that's exactly what happened here. Cheeto is just riding a wave of confidence right now and looks pretty much unstoppable. Number two, Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor won. The fight we never knew how much we wanted until it was right in front of us on 11 days notice. It was a hot-headed confrontation of two dudes who would never back down from a fight, let alone a water bottle throwing contest. Connor's left hand had pretty much floored everyone who'd eaten its double-barreled blast, but Nate, well, he was a Diaz, which is pretty much as tough as they come in MMA. The fight was at 170 pounds, two weight classes above Connor's weight at the time. He was a bigger version of himself and believed in that left hand so much he threw it pretty much non-stop in the first round. Grind for the first few minutes he struggled with the range, but then he started cracking Nate with it. The kind of shots that put out Jose Aldo, Dustin Poirier, and eventually Eddie Alvarez. But Nate pretty much ate every single one and just started slapping him in response. Connor banged it with more left hands in the second, but Diaz kept walking forward, calling for more, and the moment the Notorious started slowing down, Nate took advantage and turned the tables quicker than a telekinetic kid invading your dreams to 10-7 the invincible bad guy. Or just giving Arnie a minigun. Point is, Nate took the left hand shot that no one could take, and he submitted the Irish folk hero. Number one, Yiri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes. Have you ever heard the tale of Leroy Jenkins? It's a story of a brave man who ran headfirst into danger, hoping to achieve eternal glory. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Let's do this. Leroy! Well, sometimes I look at the way Yuri Prohaska fights and I can't help but think he's just out here like those old-ass orcs in Skyrim just waiting for a good death. I am waiting for a good death. Either that or he's just raging, wondering where the fuck is the rest of his team. Either way, he shot right to the top of the division after his arrival into the UFC, and in his second fight, he was going up against Dominic Reyes in a title eliminator bout. Now, Dom at this point had been starching much of the UFC roster. He'd finished the likes of Jared Cannonier and Chris Weidman with his left hand, and if you ask some, well, a lot, actually most people, they'd tell you he beat John Jones at UFC 247. 
This fight was non-stop action from the start because Yuri chose violence and he must have had a word with Jack and Hagar and the God of Death because he also said, not today, and just stalked Dom from the opening bell. He got cracked with a ton of left hands and body kicks from Reyes who desperately tried to beat him back but nothing he threw deterred Yuri from walking forward. He landed the same kind of hellacious shots that had put out other UFC competition but for Yuri they just seemed to bounce right off him as he slowly chopped Dom's face into sashimi. Eventually, the onslaught was just too much and Yuri folded Dom with a spinning elbow. What did we learn? Well, the only way to stop a Terminator is with another Terminator, apparently. All the future of humanity really is in Elon's hands. I think we're going to need a bigger spaceship. I know someone else who knows a ton about robots, though. Tom Aspinall. Am I right? Wait, that's not Tom. That's Luke Taylor. He doesn't like robots. He wasn't even born before every decent Terminator film. Actually, neither was I. Either way, thanks for editing this video, young blood. You can follow Luke and his work at calltome underscore. Someone else who works with robots is our man Ben Rosette. He uses gadgets to make them sing and make beeping noises. It's like C-3PO if he had to battle rap. His music's great though. If you want to hear more like the tune featured in our intro, check him out on Twitter and Spotify at Ben Rosette. And do you guys even like the Terminator movies? I know they pissed off Christian Bale and he went all Batman on set that one time. Let me know below who you think is most like a Terminator in the UFC. And don't forget to click the thumbs up button if I made you laugh at least once this video. If you want to see more, you can hit subscribe too. I've been Balian. Follow me here if you want. I'll see you in the next one.